0: Welcome to another episode of Let's Get Practical. I'm your host, Monica Lim. Our guest for today's episode is Michelle Vargus, who left the corporate world a few years ago in search of a new career direction. Today, she's deep in the creator space. She's co-hosting a podcast with her sister, Building a Healthy Spirit. She's an active contributor on different communities. You can often see her cheering people on Twitter. And every week she's publishing her Substack with stories on work, on life, on creator economy. One of my favorite issues is titled, How to Grow a Following Without Compromising Everything Good in Your Life. You should check it out. We had our share of technical difficulties this time, but it was such a fun conversation. And I am excited to finally share this with you. We talked about our projects, our struggles, but also our optimism for the creator space. We had so much fun. I hope you do too.
1: It's been a really cool journey because when you leave the workforce, and I'm sure, Monica, you maybe relate to this a little bit, it's a big change in your life. It's a big identity shift. There's a lot of internal things that I had to work through and I think I came out the other side <laughs> learning a lot. And so I often talk and write about taking time off work, thinking about your identity around work and topics around those things.
2: Lots that I want to ask you about, but first, I am also kind of on a sabbatical where uh, I don't even know what sabbatical means cuz like I I feel like I'm I'm the busiest I've been in a very long time. <laughs> it's just like I don't have like a full-time job, but um, I wanted to ask you like how, when you were leaving your job, were you calling that? Okay. I'm, I'm going to start a sabbatical. Um, how, if you, you know, I think it's been like two or three years you mentioned, uh, if you could take us back two years ago, when you decided to leave the job, what did you expect to do and how actually, you know, it felt like to not be working.
1: Yeah. So, I did not call it a sabbatical originally. I always joke that sabbatical is the rebrand of the century for just not working. But what happened for me is that going back almost three years now, it was the middle of 2020 and obviously the pandemic was going on, the shutdowns were going on, and the company I was in was having their own They were growing in some ways and having their own struggles. And my team was basically being let go one by one. So I was actually fired. I was let go of my job. And something that I remember so distinctly is about six months before I lost my job, my original manager was let go. And two other guys on my team mysteriously disappeared as well. Everybody was telling me that I should quit my job. It was definitely a really intense environment, but I was gung-ho. I'm a good Indian kid. I went to my manager, my new manager, and I told him, I was like, I'm not going to quit. I'm not interviewing. I want you to know that I'm here. I'm in this. And he looked me in my Zoom eyes and was like, well, maybe you should be. And we just had, that was the most contentious conversation I've ever had in my career, It totally blindsided me. It really put me in the hot seat. And I think it really gives a sense of like where my, even my mental space was, because I was trying to really work hard and stay at this company. And there was just all this signal around me that I should leave. And at that point, I ended up making the decision that I would double down, (laughs) that I would, I was like, you know what? I am going to, there's only one thing I can control, and that's myself and my own work ethic. I don't think that I've necessarily put out my best work in my first six months at this job. So I am going to do everything I can to be better. I met with my sales trainer. We would go through my calls like minute by minute. They would give me feedback. I would talk to my solutions architect. They would teach me all the technical stuff. And it got to a point where, I was actually doing really well. I was getting shout outs in our company meetings. My manager was saying really great stuff about me. But unfortunately, it was just also too little too late. There were other things going on that I couldn't control. And so I ended up leaving my job. My manager was so nice about it in the end. He had a little happy hour for me. He had everybody say something nice. All of my like, two managers up, like called me, they offered to help me find another job. And I had decided at that point, I was like, I have been so stressed out. My mental health is like not in a good place. I'm so anxious. And in those moments when I was really working hard and really trying to improve myself, I think that was the first time in a long time that I actually saw like, hey, I, I can work hard. I can be disciplined. And I'm doing all of this for a software company that I'm not really that passionate about what if I actually put a little bit of this towards my own projects. I was interested in writing. I was interested in podcasting. And so I decided both for my mental health to take a little break. And I decided I would take a year off. I looked at my finances. I knew I could support myself. I also moved back home, which helped a lot. And I was like, I'm going to give myself a year to try to both give myself a break and figure things out. And that was about almost three years ago now, which is
2: crazy to think about. Wow. Um, I, I mean, it's it's very commendable that like, you know, I think when, uh, well, just when I see teams that are like, you know, restructuring and I think the first thing that people do is like go on LinkedIn. Indeed, like they start looking for jobs, but just for you to have such a counterintuitive different attitude and uh, take it very different approach. I think that just like speaks a lot about like how you think about, you know, work, um, work ethic and whatnot. But, um, I think one of the things for me, like I left my job kind of like for a lot of reasons, right? Like you have a lot of reasons. Um, and I'm in my kind of like first month of not being full, you know, employed, but it's really hard not to not stay active. Like I'm I feel like I I have a full schedule, like even busier than before. <laughs> um and I have this creative energy and it which is great. I'm not I'm not like uh, against that, but I wanted to see somebody like you three years ago. Um what it was like with were you like intentionally not doing anything and intentionally taking a break or were you just like writing and, you know, like listening to podcasts? Uh, What was it like the first three months of your, you know, break?
1: Yeah. So for me, I didn't have anything else going on outside of my job in terms of side bets or side hustles or even side projects. And I hadn't even, I I had no social media presence, no online presence. And I the the transition was difficult for me because I'm not the most or I, I had this narrative in my head that I wasn't the most disciplined person. I wasn't sure if I would be able to get it together and launch a project or work on something on my own. And I did want to enjoy my time off too. And it's it's difficult because people do ask you. They they'll say, "Okay, what are you doing?" I'm like, "Oh, okay. Well, I left my job. Okay, what are do, what you, do, what's next?" Do you want help? Are you looking for jobs? Oh, you're gonna stay out of the workplace? Like, is that okay? A lot of people would project their own narratives on you. And so it was difficult to work through that while I was also trying to learn how to work for myself because I think there is, it's just different. Like it's something that you have to learn to be disciplined, to schedule your own time, both breaks and also to get things done. But I was really lucky because my sister, Sammy, is the opposite of me. She's more like you, Monica, where she almost can't not do things. And when we decided to launch this podcast together, I also had so much perfectionism. Like, I am so afraid of putting something out into the world. We recorded our first episode. And I was like, I think it could be better. I think we can edit it more. Let's wait. And she was like, I already hit send it's out there. And that was a really good lesson for me because that gave me something like as soon as my um, job ended, like a project to work on. At the same time, because it didn't fill 40 hours of my week like a traditional job does, I still felt like I wasn't doing anything. Like I carried a lot of guilt. And at the same time, I was living at home. So I spent a lot of evenings with my parents, like they wanted to spend as much time with me as possible. And I had to learn to manage all of that. So even I would say the first year of my sabbatical, I was doing a lot of that internal work, which was separating myself from, one, other people's expectations of what it means to have a job and like your identity attached to your job. And also my own scripts, which was, am I doing too much? Am I doing too little? Should I be relaxing more? Should I be working through all of this. Um, am I, is it bad if I sleep late? Am I a bad person if I need rest? Is it bad if I stay up late? Is it bad if I go to dinner with my friends or I'm not working in the morning? So a lot of those things, I think those are things that people tackle, like no matter where you are on the spectrum of if you want to be doing things and keeping yourself busy, or if you want to take a little bit of time off, it's we always feel like we should be doing something else.
2: I can like, I mean, I can't, um, I can relate so much with that. Cause like, I mean, just even today, Michelle, my house is like, such a mess right now <laughs> and I feel guilty. I'm like, Oh, you know, I'm the one who's not working or who's not like, you know, bringing money to the, to the, you know, to the table. Like I should be the one cleaning. And like, I have all this, like, again, scripts and, uh, even also, you know, with the two kids and, um, I was curious, like, what do you think when you say, you know, it took me about a year to like internally work through these, I don't know, identity, like guilt, all of that. What helped you sort of process and come to kind of like a good place, a peace of mind with all of this
0: yeah, or any specific a-
2: kind of resources or any like five second moments maybe that you had?
1: Yeah, I think one really nice thing is giving yourself the time and space to be bored, if you can allow it. So this obviously depends on different people's schedules and what they have going on in their life. But one thing I'm kind of happy about is that I wasn't on social media, I don't really watch a lot of like television or movies or anything like that. And so a lot of those things I think can actually be a distraction. And for me, I did have moments where I would just sit there and I would just think. And I think that boredom, like that space is so underrated. Like we want to fill our time. We feel like we need to do these things. But sometimes we're not alone with ourselves and we don't check in with ourselves. We don't say, okay, part of the reason I keep sleeping in is because I haven't been sleeping well when I had my job and I need to catch up on those, like that sleep debt. Like that was a huge thing for me. I think my first three months, I like was just trying to unwind from the fact that I was in this really stressful environment. And if we don't take time to check in with ourselves, I think that we just don't realize those stuff. Um, The other big thing is I am a bit of a like self-help productivity junkie. So I do love a good like podcast. I love a good motivational book. And so for me, I was reading a lot and I was consuming a lot of what I think was helpful content and getting a little bit of exposure to what other people who are, say, entrepreneurs or creators or people who are just high performers were doing and trying to see what could possibly work for me.
2: Was there, uh, from the, I don't know, literature, or like things that you were reading, was there any anything or anybody that just really resonated during that time?
1: Yeah, someone I've written about is... This book called Start Finishing, it's by Charlie Gilkey, and something that he talks about that really resonated with me was this idea of managing the amount of projects that you have in your life. So he sees a project as anything that takes up your time, energy, money, and he says that you can only have in like a quarter three to max five projects. So we often see a project as my work, my job, my newsletter, but it can also be something like the fact that my sister just had surgery, the fact that my kids are switching from Zoom school to in-person. We really don't give credit to how many things in our life are taking up our time and energy that we, we because we don't acknowledge it, then we also feel guilty that we're not being more like, quote unquote, productive. So when I looked back at my time, like my first year out of my like corporate job, I was like, okay, I had my podcast. So that was one project. I had moved back in with my parents, which I'm not sure, you know, how other people's parents are, but Indian parents love to have their kids back home. They love to spend time with them. You know, my mom was constantly feeding me. My dad was asking me a lot of help about tech stuff. Like I'm really grateful to have had that year with them. But that takes up a lot of time too. And energy. I was constantly around people. You know, there's four of us living in like a two bedroom apartment. Um, And so I just started to appreciate, okay, there was a lot more going on in my life that I wasn't giving credit to. So the the book Start Finishing was a major pivot point for me, because I started to Look at not only the projects I had in my life, but also all the things I wanted to do. I wanted to travel to Tokyo and South America. And I wanted to visit all of my friends and their babies and go to all of these weddings. And I wanted to start writing online. And I was podcasting. And at some point, you have to look at your next three to f- next three months and say, I can only focus on three of these things. And that's really how I look at my life now. Like I try to be very realistic about each quarter and say, okay, I'm, I just had to travel for two weddings and two bachelorettes and my sister had surgery. I knew content wise, that was going to be a lighter time for me because I had all of this other stuff going on. So that was a big, that book I'm a big fan of.
2: I'm going to definitely check it out. And, uh, and it's amazing. It's, it's, I mean, like three projects. Yeah, right? it? It's just like, you know, you're going to a supermarket and like, you're just given, okay, $10, that's it. And like, oh, I cannot even buy bubble gum like right now, right? <laughs> like $10. Yeah. So like, that's how limited our time and attention and energy is and yeah. totally on board, you know, with, with that. Um, I know that you have this, you know, podcast. And one thing that I was surprised about was... Um, I think I first learned about you from Paul Millard. Mm -hmm. I think he was a guest on the podcast. That was the first episode that I heard, but then like the title is about wealth. And I think I heard the episode about finances and sabbaticals. And, um, so this theme about money and finances, I don't know, wealth, um, how did that sort of idea come about? I was curious, the start of your
0: podcast.
1: Yeah, that's a really great question because a lot of it, a lot of our podcast was based off of these conversations we were having with our peers, like our friends, other women, other first or second generation people like in this country. And we have this through line through our podcast, which is our goal for ourselves and for anyone who listens is we want people to just live a life that's very aligned to your values and very authentic to what you want and that's a really lovely idea like i really believe in that and i i think when we are moving towards our highest excitement that's also when we have the most success in our lives that's when we have the most joy in our life but at the same time too we also recognize that you know for us my parents came from india they moved to michigan They didn't really know what a 401k was until like well into their careers. They didn't understand or even have the space really to like save and invest money the way that we do. And I think, and my sister thinks, that you having that like foundation, like a stable foundation before you go and pursue the things that you like and want to do helps so much, mostly because we're just risk averse. I'm sure there are people, you know, they're 21, they go backpack, they have like $5 in their pocket. And I like wish I was like that. But I'm more of somebody where I'm like, okay, how long will my money last me? What's my runway? Am I saving for my future? Like I just I need to have those things in. And we found that when we would do these episodes, the cool thing was, is it really opened up a lot of these conversations about personal finance with our friends. And people would say, oh, I I started my emergency account because of you. I didn't have money set aside. Oh, okay, now I'm learning a little bit about investing. And I've started to, I've launched my own blog. I've launched my own business. I'm going to take a little bit of time off work. So it's been really cool to see that impact. And yeah, I think that what we've realized is that a lot of people, including us, like this has been a big part of, I think, our own journey as adults, don't necessarily know what to do with their money. And a lot of times we just spend it or we have it in some seasons of our life. We don't have it in others. And so we wanted to make sure we like gave people the tools to have that foundation as well.
2: Yeah. I think the, the, the episode that I was telling you about the finances sabbatical, like uh, just made me more aware of the topic. So in my case, you know, like we um, it's not like, you know, I'm, I'm not wealthy or rich or anything, but then, like, I mean, I don't spend a lot of money, or I, or so I think. I'm sure, yeah. like, if I, <laughs> I'm scared of doing a little audit. But then you know, <laughs> like, I'm, I'm, like, I don't have a Louis Vuitton bag. I mean, I, I'm not like so interested in like luxury goods, or like, um, I'll, I'll just buy a nice camera maybe. But, uh, but then like, I did become more aware of money, making smart decisions that are like not risky. Uh, the whole thing about, I don't know, Ramit Sethi, like the yeah. uh, how to get rich, I think it's the the title of his book. Um, it's definitely a topic that is interesting and we need to pay more attention to. But the whole idea of how to get started with that. So like, you know, you mentioned 401k, um, but 401k to me is something that you do when you have a full time job, you know, like you have the, the matching and uh, and that I did. I did like my full matching when I was working. But what happens when you're not working and you have maybe like a little bit of money from this sponsorship or a little bit of money from this freelancing gig? Um, what are what's like any advice, practical tips on people who don't have a steady income, a little bit of money from here, from there? Uh, how to be I don't know more wise, a better steward of resources.
1: Yeah, I would say first and foremost, don't fear your money. Don't fear your spending and taking a look at it. I think people, you know, you can have a lot of student loans, you can have a lot of credit card debt, you might just, sometimes we like to live in ignorance. And we think if we look at our statements, we're going to see like something crazy. And we're big fans of like, looking at your last few months and just like tracking your spending and just objectively seeing, okay, where am I spending my money? Is a lot of it going to restaurants or clothing or like my, my car is always, I feel like a major expense, um, just because there's always something that needs to be done to it. And it's helpful then when you see where your money going, I love the Ramit Sethi um, idea, which is, okay, do I value these things? because that was a big part of like my sister and my story when we were working as well. Like We were in San Francisco, and we got to a point where, honestly, we were making more money than we thought we would have in our 20s. Like We had done well for ourselves. We were in a high cost of living area, but we had good jobs. And so we were just looking at other people and you know, people go to all of these like Instagram, mu- like we're at the ice cream museum and the candy museum, and we're going, you know, buying nicer clothes, like even though I, I'm I'm the same way as you, like, I, I don't necessarily care so much about brand names and stuff. But I had this impression that maybe I should be buying nicer clothes. And when I actually reflected on my values, I was like, oh, this doesn't really add up to the things that I'm spending my money on. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's like a really great first step, because it's, it's, just taking a look at where you're spending your money, especially when you are an entrepreneur or a solopreneur and saying, you know, maybe you want to make sure you're saving for the seasons of your life where you may not be making as much money. Or maybe you have an influx of cash and you don't necessarily want to just spend that money right away. You might want to have a system in place where a little bit of it gets saved, a little bit of it gets invested. And that's so personal to each person. But I think that really starts with, don't be afraid to face your money because when you actually look at the numbers that's when you can put a plan in place and you can crew you know create a vision for yourself that's aligned to what you want and to spend money on the things that you want to spend money on
2: i'm going to definitely take that advice and i've been i've been trying to and um i don't know if you know amanda natividad like she she oh, yeah. writes a lot about marketing i love that lady as well <laughs> and she talked about how you know, there's, you can use like mint.com and all of these apps, but there's something very unique about writing or like putting things manually on an Excel spreadsheet, like doing a yeah. spending audit. Um, is there any way that you recommend, uh, doing this like spending expenses audit?
1: Yeah, I try to keep it very simple. I, I'm, I'm like, Amanda, I don't necessarily like the apps as much because it's hard to narrow it down. I go to my bank statement for my credit card. You can literally just copy and paste the different cells and put them into a Google spreadsheet, which is what I do. I clean it up a little bit and I will go through and add my own categories. But it actually doesn't take that much time. Like if you do it for just one month, it might take you like 20 minutes. I guess maybe depending on how comfortable you are with spreadsheets. But it's it's nothing fancy. There's no fancy equations or anything. And then I have them labeled by subject. So it might be clothing. Sometimes I'll do trips. So um, like I just said, I, I went on a bachelorette trip to Miami. And actually going into that trip, I knew in my head, because I had done this exercise before, I was like, this is going to be about $1,500, which oh, is a wow. big investment to... <laughs> Because I have to fly to Miami, you pay for the bride stuff, you pay for like outfits and things, you pay for food. And so before I went, I was like, this is how much it's going to cost. Can I invest this much money into this? Is it valuable to me? And it was one of my really close college friends. We have known her for over 10 years. We haven't seen each other in a while. I was her bridesmaid. And so I knew it was something that was aligned to my values. So I was willing to make that investment. But it made it way more fun because I wasn't on the trip thinking, oh, gosh, now we're paying for, you know, her half of dinner or we're, you know, uh, how much is this hotel going to cost us? I knew ahead of time what like my budget was for it. So, yeah, I it's but a, a spreadsheet will like help tell you that. And then sometimes you'll see my sister and I have this story where we had a friend come in town that we've. Like, she, she's someone we've known for a while, but at the same time, we've kind of been growing apart, but she had visited us in San Francisco, and we just did everything. We went out to dinner, just, we went to a comedy show, we were spending money left and right, and at the same time, like, she kind of wasn't that positive, it was a little bit of a drain, it was an energy drain for us, and at the end of the weekend, my sister was like, we just spent $500 to spend time with this friend, and... I'm not saying you should put a dollar a month on your friends, but at the same time that really put in perspective. Like we didn't really enjoy ourselves. We sort of just said yes to this because she was in town and it ended up being a lot more than we like actually wanted to spend. So having those kind of perspectives on things, I think is really helpful.
2: Yeah, that is um, that's like, you know, it's just like making me think, uh, you know, like all of the bad, bad decisions I made, like, I just, I'm going on this trip that is costing me a lot of money. And it was like, it's with my sister. And it's very interesting. Cause like, I, I think I have a very different, maybe relationship with my sister, my older sister. Mm-hmm. And, um, I don't know. I have this thing where I think maybe growing up, she was like always really mean to me or like, I was always her like underling. And I, I feel a little scared of upsetting her or mm-hmm. like, I feel a little bit kind of, So she was like, okay, you know, like she's now in Canada. We're going to go visit her actually next week. Um, And then she was, you know, like we're going to go to the Rockies and then like do this. And then this is my vacation week. And like, this is so embarrassing, but I am taking my kids out of camp that Mm. is like fully paid to go to this vacation. And then I almost said yes to it before even like looking at hotel prices and whatnot, because we had those dates set. Yeah, And it's so expensive. And then I'm like, oh my God. Like, I mean, it's going to happen and not, I'm going to pay for it. But um, it gives you an idea of how, if I had that mindset of, you know, how much is this going to cost? Is this really valuable to me? And maybe we didn't have to go to the Canadian Rockies, right? I, we could just visit her at her house where we don't need to get a hotel. So I think the the this whole idea of, not giving yourself like handcuffs, like, you know, you cannot do anything, but the, the value point, I think is very interesting.
1: Yeah, yes, yes, exactly. Like, you might have to not have to, you, to some extent, I'm sure you want to see your sister and visit her, of course. but you don't necessarily have to do it in this situation where it's going to end up costing you more money, like both the direct cost and opportunity cost. And then you end up being resentful. Like af- after a certain point, you're like, oh, I can't believe I'm spending all my money on this. I'm not even happy here. And I, I, it's, it's almost, the money almost gives you an excuse to face your actual like feelings and emotions. And oh, wow. I, I, it, it's helped me make a lot of decisions because even with some of my friends that I've wanted to see, um, one example is my friends uh, last year, they like were renting a houseboat in uh northern california and at first i was like oh all my friends are going it'll be a lot of fun and i you know i i looked up the cost of the boat because i sort of go through this exercise and i was like oh do i really want to sleep on a boat <laughs> so that's not me <laughs> i'm like i want to be you know glamping in like an airbnb and i was like oh and i know the weather that time of year is not that great, and I I realized I was like now that I see you know this you know trip might cost me five hundred dollars and my weekend and my time and my energy, I I opted out and I, I told them I was like this isn't something like this isn't for me I'll I'll see you guys when I'm in San Francisco again and we can make different plans but I the cost was actually not so much a deterrent but it made me realize oh this is actually not like if you ask me like. I'd probably pay you $500 to like not be on a boat, <laughs> quite honestly. Like I, it's not the thing that makes me happy.
2: And the, I mean, I, I, being able to make that decision probably made you feel very proud of yourself. Like such a grown up thing to do, you know, like to uh, to do that.
1: Yeah. And it's funny because I think once you get in the habit of it, you start to see it everywhere. Like I, I realize that I'm not... A big clothing person, like I, I like my clothes to look nice. I want the ability to look professional when I need to, but I don't really need it to be the latest fashion. Honestly, I'm not that good at it. Like anytime I try to like keep up with a fashion, I just like look ridiculous. Um, and so I'm like, okay, a lot of my clothing is neutral colors or black or like forest green, like the shirt I'm wearing right now. Like Those are colors I enjoy. So when I go to the store and I'm like, oh, this is a cute neon pink top. And I'm like, oh, for $50? And I'm like, also, I will never wear this. I don't like neon pink. <laughs> um, and, I'm, and I started to think, I was like, oh, that $50 could instead be spent on, you know, a dinner with my friends, or I could invest it, or I can save it. And I think back to your original question about, like, when you're working for yourself, I think it's extra important to be cognizant of these things, because the money does tend to ebb and flow. Um, it's, you know, we don't necessarily have the quote unquote security of like a full-time job.
2: Right. Um, That's, that's so great. Like, I think it's, uh, it's kind of like, we don't think money is part of us, but then it's such an important part. And then like, for you to be more aware of that, and it seems like the the decision making that you do, or how you relate to your projects or things, there is that component. And I think that's very helpful to have that framework. Yeah. Um, Right. The I, I thought it was really interesting also that I you know especially because I have a sister and I'm like I'm scared of my sister. <laughs> but you are doing a project and you have like 100 over 100 plus episodes with your sister. And I just before our call, I was like putting together like the copy for the description, the podcast episode, mp3 files, like you know all of these things. Uh, what is it like to work with your sister on this project? And I wanted to hear, like, are you guys, how are you guys dividing the work? Uh, what are some stress points that you have when you're working with your sister?
1: And she does the podcast with me. And we did try to split it up more equally at first. Like, she would edit the podcast and things like that. But it's honestly just, it makes, I just have more time. And I have honestly more, like, the creative aspects of it are more interesting to me. And so we had to, at some point, have a moment where we were like, okay, your role, like my sister, like your role is to show up on Saturdays, which is when we record, and I will have the topic ready. We can outline it together. She'll read a book if that's something that we're talking about, but she doesn't touch the editing. She has no idea what's going on with the promotion or the marketing, and that has... That is like our system and it works really well for us. And we did at some point have to have a conversation because I mentioned early on, my sister is much more diligent and disciplined than I am. And she is like an essentialist. Like she is somebody who loves organizing things. She is really good with the admin work. She can just pop things together. She has no perfectionism. And that's not her role. That's my role. Like I handle all the admin stuff. I email guests. I have to put everything on, you know, social media and promote it. And she had to let go of that control. And that wasn't easy. And we had a lot of friction because of that, because sometimes I would be frustrated because she would come home and I would want to ask her questions about our podcast. And she was like, I don't have the mind space for this. Like, I I can't make more decisions. And at the same time, she would sometimes ask me about, oh, have you emailed this person? Oh, did you do this? And that would drive me crazy because I felt like she didn't trust me. And so we eventually, through a lot of tough conversations, realized that her role would be to come on and show up for the podcast. And I would let her do that. I wouldn't try to like over direct or anything. And at the same time, she would like default to me to handle the admin stuff. And I would also make decisions. So we kind of almost have a um, 51-49 share on decision making, where I have a little bit more of a heavier vote just because I've done more of the research. So for things that, I'm trying to think of what a good example would be for that. I mean, even something like if we're choosing to use Riverside versus another, like Zoom. She, I will come to her and I'll say, I've done the research. We're going to use Riverside. <laughs> and if she has a strong opinion on it, she can let me know. But she like to have her ask, well, did you check this? do they let us you know do they have watermarks do they record everything she doesn't even know that terminology honestly but that made it actually easier for both of us so all that to say is it's been a really great experience because it actually also i think taught us to both have tough conversations but we've had some we've had some big fights (laughs) to like get to this point
2: but i mean fights i think are are good like you know relationships that like no fighting is i think even more strange right like um the podcast seems and looks so polished and as somebody who's just getting started, you have like so many more episodes under your belt. What do you think uh, if you had to start a podcast tomorrow all over again, um, what would that workflow look like? Cause I'm sure when you first started, it probably looks different from today, but if you had to, if you, if somebody, your, your, your niece or cousin or nephew comes to you I want to start a podcast, right? What would you tell them? Okay, this is my checklist. It's like, what do you need to do?
1: It's so funny because my cousin has started a podcast. So, and we talked to her about it. So we did have this exact conversation. I would say first and foremost, just get started. It's funny. I played my sister your first episode of Let's Get Practical. And I was like, this is Monica just in her car with her iPhone. This is, it sounds great. But that's exactly what you should do. Sure, buy the mic if you want to. But one thing I realized is the most important thing, if you're interested in starting a podcast, is just get started. Plug your mic in. Talk alone if you want to. Bring on a guest if you want to. But there's so much through podcasting that you learn through doing. Like all of the things that I was worried about were pretty irrelevant. And there were a million things I didn't consider. For example... Um, when we bring people on, like we will forbid them from using Bluetooth headphones because we had issues twice with Bluetooth headphones, but that's not something anyone could have told me. That's only something I could have learned through doing and editing. So definitely get started. A podcast is one of like the easiest things to like, just start and create. Like you just need a microphone, really a phone, maybe a podcast platform, though you could, if you're smarter than me, you can do that stuff on, you know, for free as well. Um, but yeah, I would just get started. And in terms of workflow, what we have found that worked for us is because my sister has such a, you know, an intense schedule before, and this is kind of true, actually, I think for everything that we do and what I hope to apply more to my own life is that we do have a system. Like we know Saturdays at 11 a.m. we're going to do our podcast. Before it was, oh, it's Saturday okay, am I in the mood? Are you in the mood? Mm. Did I eat? I remember one time when we were both at home, she'd be like, oh, you're going to eat that rice? Like, you're going to be tired after. I was like, don't police what I'm eating. (laughs) And then we had a fight. And what we realized, like, if we just, we're both responsible adults, we'll show up on time, we will have whatever thing we need to have prepared. And then we outline it. I mean, we we don't do as many guest interviews. So we usually have like a topic that we're talking about, but we'll outline it. We'll talk about it a little bit and then we'll set everything up and just get started. And we've been doing, like we've been recording, like say on a Saturday, probably pretty consistently over like the last year or so. So that's been a really good thing that's worked for us.
2: Wow. That is, um, yeah, the, the, one thing that I think works great for in your case is that you don't have as many guests so you can, you, you have control over schedule and everything. But I think I'm very thankful for my guests who have been very accommodating to like my, okay, bus time for my kids. And like, so it's been, it's been working great. So I can be here without my kids running around. Um, one struggle that I have is so, you know, with ADHD, it's like, the 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 podcast recording is the most exciting mo- moment. Yeah. after that, I abandoned the episode. <laughs> and like, I'm like, I forget it even exists. So everything, everything is up to the recording. And I'm like, and after you know, i I hit stop, that was amazing. And then I forget about it. <laughs> so I need to. um, I don't know if you have any tips on what happens after the recording when, You just need to, you know, like edit it and add the music, the intro, outro, like the description and the promotion, the covers. What is your system for that? Or maybe like it's really enjoyable to you.
1: No, it's not. (laughs) (laughs) Editing is the worst part. Um, What do you use to
2: edit? Like, do you do it like right after the show or do you let it sit a little bit?
1: Yeah, I let it sit, which I think helps. So we depending, you know, whether we're not, we're, ahead a couple episodes, which right now we're not sort of strategically, we're usually recording on Saturday. And then Monday is my editing day. And so I will put aside a few hours and I never look forward to it. You know, I'm never excited about it, but I just know that I'm going to do it that day. So for me in general, deadlines work. So, and we post Tuesday. So like I edit Monday and then I know that by end of day monday i have to have the podcast episode ready i do the same thing with my writing actually like i um post my essays every week on like before i go to sleep on wednesday and i'm just like very driven by deadlines <laughs> um where i'm like okay whatever happens this is going out and I'm, it's because i'm a little bit of a procrastinator I, like i need something like i just won't if if i give myself a month like I'll i'll still do it within 24 hours So that's the process that I have. I think it could vary. Like your schedule might change a lot. Like if you have kids and they have different stuff going on, you might just have to find the time to do it. Um, I always like to think I won't do it in one sitting. Like I'm like, if I break this apart, it'll be mm. easier. I like can never convince myself to start any earlier.
2: <laughs> I know, I but it it's, a, it's very smooth. Like I didn't pay attention to these things before, but now whenever I listen to an episode, I'm like, oh, that music is great, and like <laughs> yeah. you know, I think about those things as somebody who is creating it at the same time. But um, what are you using in terms of like you know, like podcast stack for you? It seems to work great.
1: So we use Buzzsprout for our podcast platform. So that's the thing that shoots our podcast out to Apple and Spotify and everything. And we've been happy with them. We use Riverside to record, not only guests, actually, we use Riverside to record with each other as well, because we have two mics that can't be in the same room together. So you're allowed to make mistakes. You
0: are like recording in separate
2: rooms? Yeah, we are wow i did not know that i thought it'd be like
1: a face-to-face thing yeah that would be ideal um it's a little bit more of a difficult microphone setup actually i'm about to play around with it a little bit i got a a small podcast education on the sound and so i think there might be a way we can do it with our mics but the way we have it now is that if we're next to each other our mics will just pick up each other's background noise so we actually have been using Riverside even when we just record with each other. Um, and then I use audacity to edit, which now I know that everybody is using Descript, and I know I should change because I'm sure it's better. but I like something about audacity, I'm used to it. It's funny when I was younger. Uh, we used to like dance and we would do like Indian dances and stuff, and we would use audacity to like cut our music. So I was like a little bit familiar with it when we started podcasting, but it's a free tool too. So I mean, if someone's starting podcasting, Audacity is really nice because you can just like remove the background noise really easily. You can clean it up as much as you want to, and then just post it. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm Audacity, Buzzsprout, and Riverside. I think are our biggest.
2: And then you create you are. I mean, you you um, you know like your writing is great, so you probably create like the description notes, the show notes and all of that. That's like on your plate as well.
1: Yeah, <laughs> we we just now we have like a little newsletter that goes out with our podcast, which is really nice because it gives people an opportunity to like comment and engage with our podcast. But I realize that I'm doing like a, basically a second newsletter every week. But that I do after the podcast. That's where I'm just like writing up like while it's like I'll like listen back to it just to make sure I didn't miss anything. And so while I'm listening, I'll be like writing like notes and trying to put together an essay. So that's a little bit haphazard. I would like a better system for that. But and we're just using Substack, like I really like Substack. So we actually moved our website to Substack so people can comment there too if they want to.
2: So your your like podcast website is also on Substack?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So I to- might
2: try that.
1: It's, I like it because we had it on WordPress before, and one, I'm pretty sure nobody visited our website, <laughs> and two, we didn't have – like, I wasn't – it wasn't a newsletter, so we weren't, like, collecting emails or anything. We had no way of really engaging with our audience. Like, it would have to be somebody would text us or go out of their way to email us, which – I realized this once I started writing online. Like, when you write online and you have a comment section, it's so easy for people to engage with your work versus a podcast. It's like you're on Spotify listening. It's very unlikely that you'll then, like, remember the email, go to the, you know, put it all in. So we're just trying to make it as easy as possible for people to, like, engage with each other and ourselves. That's
2: a, yeah, that's a great idea. Like, I was looking into WordPress and I'm like, oh, you know, like, I don't have any sort of digital footprint besides like Twitter and uh, and Substack that I like. I've not been consistently writing on. Yeah, um, I've been just really obsessed with podcasts. I'm like, oh, I love this medium, and yeah. something about how inefficient it is kind of draws me even more. Like, I just feel yeah. like people who really like this will listen to podcasts. It's still so early they're so undiscoverable. So like for me to find a podcast that is like gold makes me feel so special. (laughs) Um, You recommended me a podcast, you know, like on my, for my drive and I loved it. So like, I love those hidden pieces of podcast gold, right?
1: I agree. I, I love that you said that because I relate to it so much. Yes. With podcasts, you really, it's like brick by brick. Like every person who listens It's not casual. Like they're giving you a good chunk of their time. And so, one, we try to respect that by putting out good, interesting content. And also, you just build a relationship with people who listen to it. Like we have friends that have listened to our podcast for the last two years and they've been listening to most episodes. And it's such a good way for them to keep up with our lives. And you end up sending out a signal to people that, hey, here are the things that I'm interested in. Like I'm thinking about my personal finance. I'm thinking about how to live a more intentional life. And now we've seen over the last couple of years how that's had an impact on people. And then they will go and do those things and have an impact on people. And so even though it might not be as big of an audience as you can like build, say on Twitter, it makes such a bigger impact because it's not just reading a tweet, spending 20, 30, 60 minutes with you.
2: Is there any particular story that is, I don't know, feels really close to you or touched you in a different way of somebody who you had no clue about, listened to your podcast and like, you know, their lives a little bit improved?
1: Yeah. So actually two of my high school friends who I hadn't kept that much in touch with, Karen and Abby, they, I went to high school with them, but we went to different colleges. I had left Michigan and uh, we were connected maybe say on Facebook or something, which is how they had seen, I think my sister had shared it, and they saw we had a podcast and they were just, they're friends with each other and they were such active listeners. Like my friend Abby, as soon as we would post something about, um, you know, we had an episode called Action Changes Things and she's like, oh, I wrote it on my whiteboard and we had one for like, um, like dreamlining, like creating a list of your like dream future and she would send me a photo of hers. And then she ended up taking like a yoga teacher training class. And she was just starting to do all of these different cool things. And she's a doer herself. You know, she's a smart woman. She's ambitious. But just exposing them to these different ideas that can seem so common to us because we're like kind of in that world was so cool to see like over the last couple of years, like how much that like impacted their lives. And then we ended up doing a trip with them to Joshua Tree. Like they reached out and they're like, hey, like we would love to like go do something together and so my sister and i met up with karen abby and karen's fiance and we had we could actually go and hike with them and we knew we would have interesting things to talk about because we're so interested in the same topics
2: wow that's like um that's so cool like i will see where you know what what I'm, I'm doing this podcast for like almost very selfish reasons to like catch up with friends and like talk to people it's it's always um the, the reaction is so different when you tell somebody, oh, do you want to get on a Zoom call or do you want to be on my podcast? Uh, it's like so different. I had I was very curious about, um, you know, like your, your writing. So you said like, you know, I left my sales job and I was just kind of like, you know, doing different things. How did you like get so immersed and plugged in in this community of creators, writers? Like, was there a starting point that triggered that? Um, yeah. Yeah. So
1: I I had been podcasting for about a year and a half with my sister. We left my parents' home and moved to this small town in the middle of nowhere. My sister got a job here and I was still floating around trying to figure things out. So I was like, "You know what? It'll be low cost of living. Maybe isolating myself will Motivate me to get some stuff done because um, I really, really wanted to write online. Like I'd wanted to write for a really long time, and that perfectionism, that doubt, I would write pieces and store them in my Google Drive, and I just like couldn't get myself to make it happen. And so, I was reading a lot of self help content. I was really doing a lot of like self work. I realized that things like discipline. All of that, it really just comes back to having a growth mindset, like this idea that any skill, anything that you do, like if you can have a growth mindset and just believe that if you keep doing it, you'll get better at it, is such a good mindset to have. I think in some ways I had a little bit of a fixed mindset when it came to things like, oh, if my writing isn't good immediately, maybe that means that I'm not a good writer or I don't want to share it versus now. I have more faith that if I just share my essays every week, I'm getting better because I'm showing up every week. And even things like discipline, like I had this narrative in my head that I wasn't a doer, that I wasn't disciplined enough to create and do all of this stuff. And I was not online, not on social media, in zero communities, just like doing my own thing and no one I knew was doing anything like this. So I just had a lot of self-doubt that I was working through. And Something I realized both through reading different books and just spending a little bit of time with myself and reflecting on my own like strengths in my journey was that I had a lot of fears and I didn't have a lot of confidence in myself to do these things. But I realized that I had to just do it and get started. And it didn't matter if I had confidence or not, like that would come later on. Part of that came actually from the fact that we were podcasting every week because I started to see that just by having, like once you go from like 10 episodes to 50 episodes to 70 episodes, nothing can change. But if you tell somebody you have a podcast and you have 100 episodes, they're like, oh, this is pretty legit. <laughs> and so I was like, okay, just by showing up a little bit more, like just by showing up consistently, like a lot of good things were happening. We attracted mentors in our lives. We we're bringing on interesting guests. And so I was like, okay, I'm starting to see that just showing up every week makes a really big difference. And this is a little random. But while we were in, like, we're in this small town, there's like this giant radio tower that sits like, right outside our home. Like, we kind of joke that the person who used to live here was like, one of those people that was like preparing for the end of the world because we have these like sheds in our backyard, like multiple sheds, all these signs that are like, beware of dog and you're on camera. And we asked our neighbors, we're like, is this like an unsafe area? they're like, no, and it isn't. We've lived here for now, like almost two years. Like it's not at all. But we have this huge radio tower on our house, like next to our house. And it's relevant because one day it was just like, a really like stormy night, like thunder was cracking, like lightning felt like it was like right outside our window. And my sister and I were like on our couch and we were just having this conversation. And I was telling her, I'm starting to realize like I have all of these mental blockers. I am afraid to publish online. I'm afraid of what people will think about me. I, I'm i realizing that it's me. Like I'm the person that's preventing myself from doing any of these things. And we had a really great conversation. I swear we like had this epiphany and all of a sudden we hear this thump on our roof and we just look at each other and my sister is like, we need to get out of here. So we run out of our house and it's pitch dark. It's like raining so much. We get into the car, we drive off like maybe like a few feet away and the lightning cracks. And we see that this radio tower has completely fallen on our home. And luckily there was like a little bit of roof damage but nothing bad happened. Everything ended up working out okay. But it was this weird moment where I realized I had all of these fears. And then also having this moment of like, holy crap, like some major crazy thing just happened to us. And life is just short and you never know what's gonna happen. And that really just like pushed me forward in terms of trying something like just to telling myself to be less afraid. But it was just such a crazy moment that and there were other like kind of like like my friends and family, like I had two people close to me that went through like near like kind of near death experiences. And so I just started to really appreciate that. Like if you want to do something in this lifetime, you got to do it. And yeah. that's the long way of answering your question of I then decided to sign up for rite of passage and I signed up for the course and I realized I I was like, you know what, like I'm going to do this 100 percent. Like I'm going to write the essays every week. I'm going to participate as much as possible. Like, I'm not going to like make myself small and I'm just going to really lean into it. I'm going to go on Twitter. I'm going to share my writing. I'm just going to do what comes natural to me and like see what happens. And that was in October and it's June now. And it's been crazy to see how sharing online, publishing online, tweeting these things, connecting with people, you mentioned Paul Millard. I was on his podcast. He came on our podcast. I'm on your podcast. We met on Twitter. And I had all these work opportunities come. Like I, I help now Daniel Vasallo on Small Bets. I um, am a mentor for Rite of Passage. So much has happened. And a lot of that, I think, is just because I. Decided like I'm just gonna do this, and it's crazy to me that I was this person who was like afraid and like such a perfectionist and didn't want to get started and kind of sitting around like, oh my gosh, like when is my life gonna start? And now I feel very similarly to you, where it's like I feel busy all the time. <laughs> I'm like, I this might not be a sabbatical anymore. I think I'm just kind of freelance working and doing all of these cool projects, but it does it does add up very quickly. So.
2: That's, that's, cool. that's so cool. I, I think the right of passive community is like, it's truly like a very special corner of the internet. Yes, um, And I feel very fortunate to be part of it. Cause like, I'm sure there are a lot of people who want to be, or maybe don't know about it or don't have the time or resources. And I feel just so, so fortunate to, to be part of that. But um, I think that the last thing that I wanted to, like the last topic that I wanted to talk about with you was small beds. I think, Daniel Vassallo is doing something very different. It's kind of like I sometimes talk to him and I'm <laughs> I, I put myself sometimes in this like confirmation bias bubble. But then talking to him like it just makes things very real. And like he he's not afraid of contradicting you. Uh, I disagree with you. Like, you know, he's he's very straightforward. And mm-hmm. um, and I love that about him. What is it? And I, I like that the community is just like this chord for me is like, <laughs> I just cannot wrap my head around this chord. I'm like, I want to, but like my, my brain and it's like this ADHD thing where I'm like, it's a huge mountain to cross. Like, I, I don't know how can I climb this discord mountain. Um, I'm thinking about creating a discord community for myself. So I force myself to learn discord, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I wanted to hear about your experience with small bets. Like, um, what are some of the key learnings that you're getting from the community? Um, what kind of work you are doing for this community? Like, um, yeah, whatever you know like comes to mind.
1: Yeah, I feel really blessed similarly. One that I found right of passage, and right a passage also led me to small bets, because there is a lot of overlap with people who are in both communities. And then I ended up having the opportunity to work as like admin for Daniel and have the opportunity to really see like this amazing community that he's growing. I agree with you. I had never heard of Discord before I had joined it. And the thing that I like that Daniel says is like, he's like, it's just like a party, just like hop in a conversation. it's It's like Twitter, like the same way I use Twitter, which is just like Nobody invited me to join this conversation. I'm just hopping in and commenting and hoping that somebody's happy that I like gave my two cents. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to be generally positive and supportive as well. And I I agree. I really like his mentality. The thing that really attracts me to small bats is this idea that you don't like it doesn't have to be like I think we 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 make work and like making money and all of these things so hard. Like we think that we have to spend all this time and effort on it. We, again, like I'm a perfectionist, so I totally understand this idea of like just doing as much as possible and getting every detail correct before you launch something versus the small met- the small bets mentality is like, put it together, launch it, see how it goes. Don't be attached to it, which is hard for me. I'm very attached to the things that I do. But I, I love that that's that, like energy that he creates and like if people ask him about that type of stuff on discord that's what he always says like he has his metaphor like think of them as cattle not pets and i think it's it's so important um and i love that the community like everybody's really positive and supportive you can literally just pop in there after like two months and ask a question and two or three people will chime in and give you feedback and so you know it's it's He's done a really great job building the community. I think he does a really great job, like fostering a sense of like a supportive energy. Like, I see that now from my side of things. Like, you know, he encourages me to engage with people and to like things and support people. And I think that, I think that genuine, like, he genuinely cares, I think, about the people in his community. And I think that that's the thing that really helps so much when you're trying to build it. Communities are tough, (laughs) I think, because it's always hard.
2: That's why like I, the, the communities that work really well and thrive and realizing that it's not about the platform. I don't, I don't quite know what it is, but small best community is one of the, the the longest lasting, very active communities that I've seen online. Cause I mean, you've been in Rite of Passage or other cohort based courses where circle is like on fire. And then after the course ends is, is quite, you know, quiet but i think mm-hmm. small bits maybe because of the frequency of the cohorts but very active because everybody's doing something right yeah. so they're like posting like sharing what they what they have um i, I i've been in talks with with daniel like i want to put together a notion course or like a notion workshop for for the community mm-hmm. and there's so many things that you can do in notion right but um you have been more exposed to the demographics of the group like what kind of work they're doing um what do you think would be like three things that you think would be useful for for the general population of small bits right I mean like habit trackers no, because like they're, they're so easy to grasp but what are some like practical uh tools that you think could could make a difference
1: Ooh. one thing it I always appreciate is everyone always comes from a different place. So there are definitely people who I think are very interested in Notion, like your organized people, your systems people, who also have no idea where to start. They just want someone to be able to be like, hey, like these are the things that you could take advantage of. So I even think a basics is helpful. But when I think about the small bats community, I think I think of two buckets that I think. Would be helpful. One is that a lot of people are interested in how can I use Notion as a small bet? How can I take something that I know? Like, for example, I had a career in sales. And so, something that I think about sometimes is how do I sell my sawdust? How do I, are there tools and notions? Like, how can I use the different functions of Notion to tap into the things that I know. Like maybe I could create a template email. Maybe I can create, I'm an ECRM, but I just don't know what I don't know. But I'm sure there is something I could do in Notion to productize my knowledge. So I think that's like, I feel like that's something that would be interesting to people is how do I take my skills or knowledge and turn it into something that somebody might want to purchase. Because I think Notion could be a very is a really cool small bet where you can put your time into creating like a template or something for your industry or community of people, and a lot of people can then buy it and use it. Um, and the other thing I think is that I don't know if they would say <laughs> they need this, but one thing I've noticed, being both in small bets and other creator communities, is and I see this with myself actually because I'm, I'm scratching my own itch is like, I'm a creative person. I love the creative aspects of writing, the um, podcasting, like putting all this stuff out into the world. And I am starting to go insane with the admin, (laughs) like trying to keep track of the people that I meet or how do I create a system for myself? Like just like a personal way to track these things. And I, I don't necessarily want to like, you know, I know, like, I have no interest in letting the tool become the thing that matters most. Like, I'm, I don't need to get like so caught up in it. I just want to know, like, is there something I can do to make my workflow a little bit easier? Cause I feel like a lot of times I'm reactionary. I'm like, okay, let me check my Twitter DM, see who reached out to me. Let me check the Discord and see what's going on. Let me, okay, I have this deadline. Other than my deadlines, I'm just fully half haphazardly <laughs> going about doing my things. So, and I've noticed, I think that a lot of people like, are you know they have these ideas and things but aren't really sure how to organize it I don't know if any of these things like I'm not a notion expert so I don't know if any of these things spark any ideas but those oh, are the no, two like buckets. this
2: is like <laughs> this is awesome because I am so inside notion and um that like like you said it's hard to know what you don't know, and it's hard to know now that I know what other people don't know. It's yeah. like, I mean, it's like it's like you, you know what I mean, right? Like, yes, there's this like there's this really good podcast episode that I always like go back to. Like, I listen to it a few times, you know, every year. Um, it's a podcast with David Perel and Tiago Forte. Like, it's like from a couple mm. years ago, and they they talk about how there's this moment of not knowing, and then you get to know and it's so hard to go back to that mindset of not knowing like it's yes. like it's it's gone forever um so for me like getting that that feedback from you like i just took two notes and it gives me so many ideas on um like how to not a template or not like how to create a database but i really want to put together something that is useful yes. and helps people do what they do better or easier or takes less time or makes it even possible, right? Yeah, um, yeah this, is, this, this is amazing. So I, um, yeah, I think I had so many questions, but uh, Michelle, you had, you're a wonderful guest. Like you were like entertaining all my, my weird <laughs> questions and uh, just thank you so much for, for being present. And last thing is, what is next for you? I know you were taking a little break. Uh, is there a new like skill that you're trying to learn, or like anything that your your like curiosity is is getting sparked? Are uh, you writing a book? I think everybody's writing a book. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what is next for you, and where could we let our audience, you know, go find you?
1: Yes. So to find me. Michelle Vargoose, at M Mich- at Vargoose, M-V in Victor, A-R-G-H-O-O-S-E. That's my Twitter profile. That links to my Substack, my podcast, Build a Wealthy Spirit with my sister. Those are all places that you can find me if you're interested in the creator journey, taking time off work. Our podcast is a little bit more practical with like the personal finance and creating a life in alignment. So those things will continue. And it's funny even talking to you about the like three to five projects. I'm like, oh, I have... you're, you're out. You're out <laughs> <Yeah>. of projects. <laughs> it's a tough thing to admit. And I think I need to say and really think about it because I do, I do want to work on a mini ebook is something that I want to put together just because I do get a lot of questions about sabbaticals, taking time off work a lot about this, like leaving the corporate space and like becoming like a creator. So I'm going to put together some of my essays and hopefully create something like that by the end of the year. And it's been on my list to move our podcast to YouTube. Um, But you do YouTube, Monica, and I want to so badly. And it's just something that keeps it's like the project that ends up being like project number six, but it's something I would love to do because I would love to move us to video, um, even like short videos and stuff,
2: but you would do um, great. Uh, Michelle, just, just, <laughs> just letting you know, I mean, you probably know this already and I'm sure it's a, it's a matter of bandwidth and, you know, it's just time and capacity. But, um, I do think that I think your system is there, like things seem to be rolling pretty well. So, mm. um, I think the the bandwidth it's a little bit tricky. Like, yeah, it is like six projects, but the f- three projects are kind of like on autopilot a little bit.
1: Yeah, that's true. So,
2: yeah, you should totally get on YouTube because I think you would do really well. And people, uh, it, it just it's so timely, you know, like burnout yeah. and uh, money. I think like the the topics that you have it maybe like more experienced than you might want to admit or like, you know, consider like money, self work, you know, sabbatical, like knowing what you want, being bored, all of these themes that we discussed today, I think you have probably a lot to talk about.
1: No, I really appreciate that. You know, Monica, if I I start my YouTube channel this year, I will definitely credit this podcast.
2: (laughs) Yeah, no, but like, seriously, I like, you should definitely do it and I think your you living in the desert. <laughs> I think it's a huge It's a huge differentiator. Like now it's I think this the 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 season of being different, being unique. Yeah. Nobody gets nobody is able to <laughs> imitate you living in the desert.
1: <laughs> I know. I have to capitalize on it before we move because it was funny my sister just happened to get a job here and i'm sure all of the things we've talked about have influenced us up until this point but when we were we were driving here like our little road trip to move down and in the car like i just turned to my sister and i was like this is really on brand for us like this is (laughs) is totally (laughs) yeah like
2: slow but then like you're like yeah there's like so much that i'm just imagining and then seeing it on video would be really cool.
1: Yeah, yeah, you make a good point. And even to your point, you know, when you were talking about an ocean and you you start to forget what you don't know or you didn't know. Like even some of my writing, a lot of this stuff that I'm doing chronicling my own journey is because I'm like, I know I'm gonna forget this or I'm gonna forget that I even forgot that a radio tower fell in my house last year. <laughs> and it's just I, I like to remember those lessons because they come back for me multiple times. And the living in the desert, like a remote town, like we live like two hours from any city. So it's like not even a small town, like it's literally next to nothing. And it's crazy what a different experience it is. But well, in some ways the same, like life is life, but like we don't drink tap water, like we have to buy all of our water. We don't even cook with it. <laughs> so yeah, so I that, that's a good point. So yeah, so hopefully maybe I will, Monica.
2: I'm feeling very inspired. Like yeah, I I uh, I can totally and like you like you said, you know, setting a deadline. You know, like I'll I'll have a first episode by I don't know like July 15th. I don't know. Um, Yeah, all the best, Michelle. Like I think we're you're you'd be surprised at how many fans and like big sort of supporters you have around you,
0: like. (laughs)
2: No, really, like, I think I've heard about you uh, from other people, and I can sense that they're, like, rooting for you, and, um, yeah, so just as a validation, I think you're doing, you're not doing it to be validated, but I think it's it's nice, right, when you see that.
1: (laughs) It's nice to be loved, you know? (laughs) Yeah,
2: and to know that you're, to, to, not to be told your love, but like to to feel it and to see it.
1: I will say, I you know, I was I was so, a total anti social media person before this, and I have my own you know gripes with it. But I have been so pleased, like going from for, for a year and a half knowing nobody who is doing any kind of creator work, writing, podcasting, YouTubing, like tweeting. And then all of a sudden having the opportunity to be a part of all of these communities, like people are so kind, so supportive, so authentic. Like even this conversation with you was such a joy today because I you know, if if, if anyone is listening to this and you're like thinking about moving into like the creator space, you want to write or podcast or YouTube, like hop on Twitter, connect with people join some of these communities because the people are actually really really awesome like i i think i was surprised at how just s- supportive and kind and encouraging everybody really is
2: yeah that's that's all thank you so much michelle for your time and just for being in like an open book